Blog Talk Radio. Well, we'd like to welcome everyone to the first Perkins platform. We have as our guest this uh, month uh, Dr. Dan Dominich from uh, who is the uh, executive director of the um, AASA, the American Association of School Administrators. Welcome, Dan. Hey, nice to be here, Brian. Well, glad that you could join us. Um, this platform, uh, as I mentioned, is new, and we are a monthly platform um, going to be taking place monthly for about 30 minutes out of your busy day. And um, we're really honored to have a distinguished guest like Dan um, as our first guest. Um, and each month we're going to talk a little bit about the challenges of public education um, and focus a bit on leadership. Uh, so um, with that in mind, um, as the executive director of AASA, I'm just going to ask Dan to tell us just a little bit um, about um, AASA and what are some of the major initiatives uh, of that organization. Well, Brian, the uh, uh, American Association of School Administrators is uh, probably the oldest association representing administrators in the country. We were actually established back in 1865. Uh, right now, we uh, are advocates for public education, representing school superintendents throughout America. And uh, we are uh, here in the Washington, D.C. area and spend a good deal of our time, energy, and, and effort uh, talking to the members of Congress, uh, the White House, and the Department of Education about uh, issues that affect education. So basically what we try to do is to affect uh, education policy uh, on behalf of our men uh, members and in the best interest of uh, our students. Excellent, excellent. Thanks, Dan. Um, and to our callers out there, you will see on your um, blog talk radio screen, you will see a call-in. Um, at the end of our hour, um, half hour with Dan, we uh, will take um, about 10 minutes of calls. Uh, the number is 347 826-9029. Again, 347-826-9029. So, Dan, we know that you are former superintendent. I know at least in two or three posts that I'm familiar with. Um, uh, could you tell us a little bit about, in your role as a superintendent, um, although it's been a, just a few years, uh, what were some of your, your most challenging experiences? Well, you know, I really consider the job of the uh, superintendent to be the most difficult job uh, in America. Uh, it's amazing the number of skills that uh, you need to have uh, in order to, to be a successful superintendent. First and foremost, you have to be an excellent manager uh, and administrator uh, to, to run basically what amounts to a business operation. And depending on the size of your school district, for example, my first superintendency was in Deer Park, Long Island, and it was a school district of about 5,000 students. My last superintendency was in Deer Park. Uh, not Deer Park, I started in Deer Park, in Fairfax County, Virginia, uh, where I had 170,000 students and a budget wow. of $2.4 billion. Wow. Now, $2.4 billion would make your Fortune 500 company. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're basically the CEO of an operation of that size with 27,000 employees, 170,000 students, a $2.4 billion budget. 
So you can appreciate right there uh, the complexity and the differences. I mean, uh, having the title of superintendent uh, alone does not indicate the, the size of, of, of the system that you're directing. And depending on the size, the level of complexity obviously increases. So running the organization is a challenge right then and, and there. But beyond being a having to be a good manager and administrator, then you get into the politics. And in order to succeed as a superintendent, you have to be a good politician uh, because you have to deal with the public, you have to deal with the parents, you have to deal with the employee unions, you have to deal and interface with whatever government structure uh, your district is, is part of. You have to deal with uh, uh, politicians at the state level and at the federal level. So that's a complex job. And frankly, uh, we tend to find that uh, seldom is a, a superintendent uh, does a superintendent ever lose his or her job uh, because of their inability to to uh, be a an educational leader for the community. Um, most often than not, it, it's politics, and very often ha it's board politics because the superintendent works directly for the school board, is hired by the school board. And sometimes as the school board changes and, and their policies change, the superintendent changes. So it's an incredibly difficult job uh, for most individuals, which then uh, it's not surprising when we see that the average tenure of a superintendent in an urban setting is only three and a half years. And improves uh, to a slight uh, better five years for superintendents in suburban uh, and uh, smaller school systems. So it is a very difficult job, and uh, I experienced in four different superintendencies all of those levels, and going from a small district like Deer Park to a, a huge system like uh, Fairfax County. And in that process, I had to, to learn uh, the different skills. By the time I, I, I went to Fairfax, I had to be not only a good politician, but also to have media skills. Mm -hmm. uh, because I had the national media to deal with. Uh, you know, our paper in Fairfax County is the Washington Post. Uh, so you're dealing with a major mm -hmm. media outlet in your community, and you have to have that, that expertise. So uh, it, it's a multifaceted job that is always a challenge uh, in every aspect of, of the job and, and requires the, the individual in the job really to hone a lot of skills in, in order to first survive and then succeed. Excellent, excellent. Um, you know, in, uh, although it has been um, a few years, I know you have uh, have had a few other posts since you were uh, superintendent. Um, but what are you hearing right now from your colleagues around the country about um, what it means to be a superintendent today? Um, the challenges, um, so many new initiatives uh, that come both from the federal government, come from state governments all around the country, but but. Uh, increasing expectations from the public sector and the private sector about running school districts and the challenges associated with that. Um, what are you hearing out there? Well, Brian, I, I, I really believe that the challenge of the superintendency today uh, is the greatest that it has ever been. Uh, and in a way, I feel for my colleagues that are out there uh, still doing the job and the new ones that are coming in. And why is that? Well, because we have seen over the last four years, uh, since 2008, it'll be actually four years ago, uh, when we saw the uh, uh, the bottom fall out of our economy. Uh, 
And for the first time uh, over that four-year period, we have seen school districts throughout America have budgets from year to year that are less than the previous years. Now, I have to tell you, I was a superintendent for 27 years. And in those 27 years, I never had a budget that was actually less than the year before. I I hmm. always uh, complained about the fact that I didn't get the amount of money that I wanted. I always complained about the fact that I had to make budgets, uh, cuts in the budget that I proposed. But it was cuts on the budget that I was proposing, which was more than the budget that I had the previous year. I never had a budget one year, the following year, less than the previous years. That's not the case anymore. Hmm. When I go around the country and talk to superintendents and I ask them to raise their hand and tell me how many of you in this room are in districts where your budget today is less than it was in 2008, and about half mm-hmm. of the superintendents in the room raise their hand. That's incredible. Hmm. Yeah. So we have seen for the first time uh, a, a, a change in education funding where our schools are operating now on budgets that are less than what they had in, in 2008. Now, having said that, Okay. That doesn't mean that because the resources and the, and the finances have, have collapsed and, and the resources are not there that the expectations have also declined. On the contrary, in spite of the significant decline in resources, the expectations for our schools today are greater than ever. The closing of the achievement gap, the better performance, the competition from charter schools, choice, and mm-hmm. you know all of the reform uh, folks that uh, think that they, they know how to do the job better. It's all there. Uh, it has not gone away. So we have greater challenges today to perform with fewer resources to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and so it, it sounds as though um you know that a lot of this this transformation of the superintendency where you have um a mix of of skills that are needed you know you mentioned political skills you mentioned uh business savvy um and and a lot of other uh, components that are needed to be successful in that superintendency, and we see that those being in those jobs um, uh, don't those jobs don't last very long, mm-hmm. um, particularly in urban centers. And um, as you know, I'm the director of the Urban Education Leaders Program here at Teachers College, and um, our program um, also combines um, the with the EDD degree, the uh, licensure for the uh, school district level um, leader uh, in the state of New York. And one of the challenges that um, I know that we've seen in terms of the the preparation um, has been uh, making sure that all of these these components that you mentioned are touched upon. You know, we the the superintendent is expected to lead strategic planning, is expected to uh, motivate and and be able to retain high quality employees on every level, not just the teachers, but all the all throughout, and and the managers and the mid level managers. Um, which leads me to one of the 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 areas that um, I've have had a lot of concern about is this um, this pathway to the superintendency and as you you and I have discussed before that historically uh, there was pretty much one pathway someone became a teacher and then a principal uh, a central office administrator and then um, somehow um, it happened that they would make their way into the superintendent's uh, chair um, now there are a lot of 
uh, new um, superintendents that have come from um, a variety of backgrounds, uh, some with very little experience in education, but mostly in business. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that trend where um, the people are coming from outside of education and jumping right into um, the executive leadership roles in education? Well, I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting uh, uh, trend, uh, and it's been around now for, for, for some time, you know, the, the non-traditional, non-educator uh, superintendent. It has been most popular, as you know, really in large urban settings. You know, we, we mm -hmm. have seen the, the, the New York cities and the Los Angeles and the Chicago's and, and other large urban areas be the first really to go to this this non-traditional route. So it's really uh, uh, more of the superintendent as the CEO uh, mm -hmm. of a business. Uh, but that is, that is not what the superintendency was intended to be. Uh, if you go back to the history of the superintendency and why the superintendency was created, the job of the superintendent was created to be the educational leader of the community, the educational leader of the community. You know, even the term principal, uh, you know, at one time principal wasn't a noun, it was an adjective. Uh, mm -hmm. It stood for mm -hmm. principal teacher. Uh, there was a teacher that became the head of the school and became the principal teacher, and then eventually it, it, it evolved into an administrator who didn't do any teaching at all. But there's always been in education uh, this sense that the person leading the organization needed to be an educator who understood children, learning, pedagogy, curriculum, instruction, uh, because knowing that and understanding that best, that would allow that individual to be a leader. Today, you know, mm -hmm. I think we, we, we confuse managing and administration with educational leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and certainly, uh, one of the necessary skills for a superintendent today is to have more business training and background than, than they've had in the past. And mm -hmm. you know that there are many uh, colleges and universities now that where the School of Business and the School of Education almost team up to provide uh, almost a combination of an MBA and, and an education degree. And, and that mm -hmm. is true. It's necessary. You know, when I was superintendent of Fairfax running a $2.4 billion business, uh, it was important that I had business and, and management uh, uh, skills. But mm -hmm. basically, when the community turned to me, they turned to me as the educational leader. And, and they wanted somebody there that understood what uh, their children's needs and, and what was necessary in order to, to make education work and have mm -hmm. uh, children learn. So my sense sure. is still very much that uh, the superintendent needs to be an education leader. Now, mm -hmm. there are folks that, uh, that come uh, uh, from outside education who understand that. And what do they do? Well, they, in essence, become the, the CEO of the school district, but they hire a chief academic officer that, in essence, sure. fulfills that function. Sure. Uh, and, and that could work, and there are cases, I'm sure, where, where that has uh, worked. But uh, you, you need somebody that understands and knows education uh, to be in charge of learning and instruction in a district. And if you team up with a, a business CEO uh, to, to take care of the, the management administration of the, of the district, well, that could possibly work very well, too. But, you know, mm -hmm. the, the tenure for non-traditional superintendents isn't any better than it is for traditional. Sure, and and sure. we see that happening today, too. They sure. get fired with the same amount of frequency uh, as a traditional superintendent does. So mm -hmm. certainly that hasn't proven to be the, the answer to uh, uh, the leadership uh, issue. 
Sure, sure. And and which, you know, if we, you know, we could on this topic alone, we could spend, you know, most of the day, um, because a lot there's been a lot of debate in the um, in the news, the media um, about um, the business side of of education, and and a lot of business people um, have jumped into the conversation um, with, as we hear a lot of, all you have to do is, um, and and looking um, to to make uh, the business of education more like business, and so. Um, I, I just want to get your idea. I mean, I, I know you, you you touched on it briefly about um, what people look for from you as an educational leader. Um, what do you say to those uh, people who who urge you to run education enterprise as a business? What do you, what do you say to them? Well, it, I would say to them that it's, it, it, education is not like a business. Uh, from the perspective that the rules are of engagement are very different. Uh, I, you know, after I left the superintendency, after my last superintendency in Deer Park, I went to the private sector. I went to work for McGraw Hill as a senior vice president for national uh, urban markets, and, and I had a, a, an excellent taste of what it's like to to be a senior executive in in the world of business. And I have to tell you, it's two different worlds. Uh, they just don't work the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, w- when you're in the business, uh, you're, you have a business model, and it's all about generating revenue, and, and you have a very clear line in terms of what it takes, and you have a product that you're selling. That's not the case in education, uh, not to mention the fact that in education is highly uh, overseen by rules, laws, and regulations that very often prohibit you from having the flexibility to do the kinds of things you can do in the private sector, uh, from from personnel hiring and firing uh, to uh, uh, the revenue, where it comes from, what you can use it for. Uh, it's just a, a huge, not to mention the fact that you have no choice over who your clients are in education. You know, You have to take them all. Uh, not just the ones that uh, you know would 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 succeed best in in your schools, which you know private schools and a lot of of, of non-public schools have the uh, the ability to do. Now, uh, having said that, I I, I will confess uh, that after my experience in McGraw Hill, I wished that I would have had that experience before uh, being a superintendent because I think that would have mm-hmm. made me a a better uh, superintendent from the management and administrative uh, perspective. But after all it's said and done, uh, education and running a school is very different from, from running a, a business. Uh, and, and I think that from uh, the, the many non-traditional leaders that I have spoken to, many of whom I have a great respect for uh, and admire the work that they have done, uh, they will be the first to tell you that uh, you know running a school is not the same as being a general in the Army. Uh, mm-hmm. Or being the CEO of a private sector company, uh, it's just a very different world. Sure, sure. Thank you for that. Um, just to our callers again, please um, take. If you have any questions, be sure to call in. Uh, you're listening to the Perkins Platform. Uh, the call-in number is three four seven eight two six nine zero two nine. Again, three four seven eight two six nine zero two nine. We're taking calls. Our guest uh, today is Dr. Dan Dominich, who is the uh, Executive Director of AASA. 
Um, so, um, Dan, we, you know, as we, we start to wrap up our conversation today, you know, we, I, I mentioned about our program here. Um, we've certainly talked about a lot of the challenges um, that are facing um, superintendents um, just around the country. I think um, even, as you know, I've been a board member, served as a board member for many years in Connecticut, um, and, and certainly um, can identify with what you're saying about budgets being cut um, year after year um, that those are those are pretty difficult um, circumstances to deal with uh, for anyone um, so even in a business sector um, you know where businesses um, are are doing poorly um, but in education that the expectations uh, seem to go up um, as much as um, resources are in the decline, expectations go up. Schools are, are very different places than they were 10 years ago, not to mention 20, 30 years ago. Um, what advice do you have us who are to, for us that are in the academy trying to pre prepare individuals that are um, aspiring to be superintendents um, what advice do you have us about to, uh, for us to to uh, get them ready for the job ahead? Well, I, I think I made references to it in, in many of the comments that I have made so far. But uh, you know, I consider that the successful superintendent to be an individual uh, that has a significant set of skills in a number of different areas: politician, communicator, decision maker, administrator, manager, educational leader. Uh, the ability to network with individuals, uh, to be a great salesman, to be able to sell your ideas to the public and to the community, to be able to get the support of the community that will allow you to implement the kinds of changes, often tough changes, that, that, that you will be called upon to do during uh, your tenure. So I, I think part of the problem and the right combination in terms of we had the discussion before about the traditional and the non-traditional uh, is that part of the training of a superintendent has to include uh, business skills, uh, similar to, to a, an MBA. Uh, it, and it has to include uh, training in, in media and training in communication and, and uh, problem solving and, and all of these other areas. And, and, and the content, you know, the, the, the knowledge of education uh, and from the point of view of pedagogy uh, and instructional uh, practices uh, is almost a given. Uh, you know, you, you learn that just as a, as a teacher would learn content uh, in the f four years of college. Uh, but then in addition to that, they learn the pedagogical skills, how to teach kids successfully so that, that kids learn. So I think that the, the, this, the, the, because of the complex uh, requirements to be a superintendent, the, the amount of training for a superintendent, uh, for that superintendent to be successful, uh, would have to really incorporate many of these areas, would have to be fairly extensive. Uh, and, and would require, uh, you know, individuals that are so inclined to devote a great deal of time uh, to learn mm -hmm. their craft so that they will be mm -hmm. able to succeed at it. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, we have a couple of callers uh, waiting. I'm going to take our first caller uh, that came in from um, area code 317. Just going to ask our callers to uh, state their first names and where they're calling from. So a first caller. Uh, from Erico 317, please identify yourself. Good afternoon. I'm Marcus Robinson, 
and uh, I found this uh, conversation very thrilling. I appreciate all the insight. Um, I've heard you, uh, Mr. Dominic, talk about the skills that folks uh, going into the superintendency uh, might need. Um, I guess the question that, that I have is, do you see the academy churning out those kinds of leaders? And if not, what kind of uh, advice would you give to those who, who prepare superintendents about what the academy needs to do? Well, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, we talk about transformation for K-12 education. I, I think there's also need to be some transformation at the higher ed level and the way that we train teachers and, and, and administrators in terms of providing. As I said, I, I have seen examples now uh, uh, of uh, uh, universities where they kind of team up the School of Education with the School of Business to provide, you know, courses for the individual. Uh, but I think it, it, it requires much more than, than what is currently uh, being done and, and being offered uh, to provide the individuals with the, with the set of uh, overall skills that they need to have, not the least of which, by the way, are also clinical experiences. Uh, which I think serve, uh, you know, superintendents best, you know, to actually be uh, on the job as a trainee. Uh, and, you know, part of that really goes to the school district. Uh, one of the things we did when I was in Fairfax County uh, is that we had a, a system in place where we were training teachers to be assistant principals, assistant principals to be principals, principals to be central office administrators. So we had a career ladder uh, in place where, uh, in addition to uh, the, the training uh, the, uh, that they were getting in, in higher ed institutions, they were also getting the practical experience in the schools, and together uh, that made for a great background to the point that, as a school district, we were able to do most of our hiring inside uh, because we had people that were familiar with the system and had received just great training along the way. Excellent. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, caller. Um, our next caller um, is from 303 area code. Um, please state your name and uh, your question. Yeah, good afternoon. This is Ben Pluger calling from Brighton, Colorado. And I, I appreciate some of the discussion about the, the different skill sets um, and where those come from and how those contribute and come together to um, you know, address the challenges faced by superintendents. So my question, you know, those challenges, the challenges of an urban superintendent are, are great. Um, I mean, you know, evaporating budgets, systemic inequity, um, a lot of things that can be done with management and some that require genuine leadership. Um, with the, the issue of being held accountable by elected officials, of course, superintendents are held are hired by school boards. So if you could, could you talk a little bit about how superintendents, aspiring superintendents, can navigate some of those um, political realities that sometimes um, could result in a shortened tenure because a lot of these problems take time to fix. Well, Ben, you know that 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 you put your finger <laughs> right on the uh, right on the issue, uh, and you know, very well uh, express the uh, the difficulty of the job. Uh, that's why I think a a, a superintendent, a would be superintendent, uh, benefits uh, you know significantly from let's say being a district office administrator and 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 working uh, under a, a an experienced successful superintendent where they can firsthand uh, learn. 
uh, from that superintendent how to navigate you know the the, the politics how to uh, of the board of the community of the state whichever level uh, how to navigate the, uh, uh, the the parent community uh, the uh, businesses in the community the significant number of people in the community the residents who don't have kids in a school and feel that they have nothing to gain and they're they're being taxed all these dollars so it, it, where where you have the opportunity to work uh under an individual an experienced superintendent that you can look to and admire and say hey this this person knows how to do the job uh i'm i'm going to you know want to get close to this individual maybe have that individual become a mentor uh, that makes a big difference. I, I was very pleased that during my uh, career as a superintendent, I was able to mentor many of the young administrators that worked for me uh, and see many of them become superintendents, and they're, they're, they're superintendents out there now. Uh, so I think that right now, uh, any aspiring uh, administrator who looks towards the superintendency as a, as a career goal uh, would do well, you know, to associate themselves with, with an individual that they can uh, look to and try to have that individual mentor them, whether they work for them or not, uh, as a way to, to really learn the skills that we're talking about. Great. Thank you. I well, appreciate that. Yes. Thank you, caller. Um, as we wrap up here, I just want to thank you again, uh, Dan, for being available for this call. I know you had a busy schedule today, and uh, my switchboard is uh, is lighting up. Unfortunately, we won't have time to take any more calls today, but invite you back um, next month on September the 26th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, where our guest next month will be from right down the street from you, Dan um, and Bryant, Dr. Ann Bryant, who is the Executive Director of NSBA. So until next month, same time, go well, stay well. Thanks again, Dan. You're welcome.